make us hungry, Lord. And I pray you make us willing. Lord, uh, please work on us this morning. Meet with us. It will all be in vain if you don't show up here. Lord, if you don't have the, if you don't have your way, we're stuck. So Lord, I ask that you would, um, do a great work in all of us this morning from your word. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Thank you. Take your Bible, turn to Romans chapter 12 and verse 2. Romans chapter 12. Renewing the Christian mind is the title, part 2. And we're focusing in on the spiritual area of our mind. Romans chapter 12, verse 2, And be not conformed to this world. It's a command. But be ye transformed. Two different words. One conformed, the next word transformed by the renewing of your mind. I mean, it's like you saying to a four-year-old, be good. They have no concept how to do that. So your command to have a transformed life requires a changed mind and a changed way of thinking by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now, by way of introduction, do you ever ponder what your mind is constantly occupied with? I tell you what, if you ever thought about what you thought about, it'd be like waking up one day, coming downstairs and finding every neighbor, all your in-laws and outlaws, every neighborhood stray animal, and every salesman who's ever come to your door in the last two months, all living and interacting and fighting in your kitchen, sitting room, and dining room. That's what your brain is like. Take a good look at what goes on inside your head from the time you wake up until you crash to sleep at night, and it might just shock you. It used to be that our grandparents filled their minds with chores, they filled up their mind with planting and harvesting. They they worked all day fixing things. They read everything they could. And what was on their mind was surviving. You know, today, people's minds are filled with thousands of hours of YouTubes, movies, role-playing games, TV, Facebook, Instagram, the news. Not to mention all the worrying the reviewing of memories of past regret and hurt. I mean, the stuff that goes on inside our mind is not right. This morning, I want to focus more of our attention on our minds, what we think about. Specifically, we focus our attention on renewing our mind, changing our mind, because it is the key to a transformed life. I said this last week, that a sincere Christian can struggle with change all their life. Don't sit there and say, well, so-and-so, they're still struggling with such-and-such. Yeah, that could be you. A sincere Christian could love God, want to serve God and struggle with things in their life. And, and without, without fixing blame, without trying to analyze everything, you've got to take a step back and realize, you know, sometimes we put, we, we put too much on how we think things ought to be. For example, give into a temptation. So you pray, God, please fix me. Make me a better person. And then nothing happens. 
So after, after a month of praying, or even a year of praying, that Christian finally gives up and says, I guess God's not there, I guess God doesn't care about me, and so they quit. A lot of Christians think that if they ask God to forgive them for a sin, that that sin will just simply go away. And then it doesn't. The reality is that sin doesn't go out of our lives, doesn't, doesn't uh, leave until it's pried out. Um, you've got to use God's Word to change your mind about yourself and the way you're living. You have to use the Word of God. I'll talk about that mainly today. True lasting change comes when a person thinks from the patterns of God's Word. The Bible calls it renewing your mind. When you change the way you think, the way you think to God's way of thinking, then your behavior changes. It doesn't change until then. Now, <clears throat> so you can be a born again child of God and basically never change because you never get into that book. By the way, the name of this church is Bible Baptist Church. You ever notice that? It's not just a Baptist church, it's a Bible Baptist church because that book has to be paramount in your life or else you're never going to change. Salvation is designed to change us into Christ's likeness. Go to Romans chapter 8, you're in chapter 11. Go back a few pages, Romans chapter 8. This is all a bit of review. I said last week, Romans 8, 29. And your phone is supposed to be on silent. <laughs> Romans 8, 29. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate. Not to get to heaven, that's not the predestination. He did predestinate us to be conformed to the image of His Son. I'm going to be just like Jesus, that He might be the firstborn among many brethren. So my salvation is all about me being more like Him. 2 Corinthians 3.18, we'll look at it in a little bit, but it's, as we look at Him and as we watch Him and as we learn from Him, it changes us into His likeness. The only thing that holds anyone back is simply their way of thinking about things. And it seems so simple, and yet it's the hardest thing to change. You know, there are two immovable uh, parts of you. One is your heart, and the second one is your mind. God has to do it. You can't will yourself better. You can't choose to be better. You're going to have to have help. You're going to have to have an outside force that just changes you. And that's something that's in your hands. I'll show you more about it in a minute. Now, I said this again last week. I'm going to build a little bit more on this. Your mind is amazing. That unseen supercomputer in your head can do unbelievably, unbelievable things. It can remember events, feelings, and even smells from 100 years ago. I told you about my great-grandmother sitting there going, is that an apple pie I smell? And nobody was cooking. <clears throat> it can process trillions of calculations a second, allowing you to walk a tightrope, drive at 120 kilometers per, per hour, catch a falling cup. You ever seen, I mean, that cup, you go and grab it, you don't even think about it. And you can even change a TV channel. Think about how brilliant we are. The brain is super designed. It is, it is able to do unbelievable things. There is, there is no way your brain is an accident. Your brain is a complete self-sustaining pharmacy inside of it, capable of producing hundreds of necessary chemicals and hormones at a moment's notice. Your brain produces that. It keeps your body completely balanced. Your body, and by the way, <clears throat> I, I thought of this. <clears throat> Hello. I'm 
not a very good puppet. But you know what I'm doing? What I tell it to do. The puppet is nothing without me telling what to do. Your brain is the puppeteer. Your body, hello, is the puppet. So next time you worry about what your hand's doing, it's not the hand that's doing it. Next time you're worrying about what your eyes are looking at, it's not your eyes doing it. It's you and you alone controlling what goes on in your life. You're the puppeteer. Your mind is what tells your hand what to do. <clears throat> so, your, your brain is, is super designed. Um, that means your mind can overrule your heart and your body. Now, that's a good thing, because how many of you trust your heart? How many of you trust your heart? Good, good. We're getting somewhere. Amen. <laughs> you got to have something in control of that thing inside of your center being, man. <clears throat> your mind can overrule your heart, and it can overrule your body. You want to slap somebody, and you, and you hold it back. Amen. Because that's what your brain is designed to do. We're not supposed, to, we're not designed to just follow our heart. If you do follow your heart, you're going over a cliff sometimes. You're gonna, you're gonna struggle with things for the rest of your life if all you do is you follow your heart. The mind is supposed to tell your body what to do. By the way, most everything that happens in your body is because your mind thought it. Third, <clears throat> it is more than the brain in your head. Your mind is more than the product of chemicals reacting with each other. It's more than results of all of your upbringing by your parents and your training at school. It's more than all the experiences. People talk about, are, is our nature uh, more important than our nurture? Do, are we the product of training or are we the product of our nature? It doesn't matter. The point is my mind is overruling, capable of overruling whatever you've gone through. Hallelujah. Because your mind is all the thoughts, all the feelings, all the memories, and all the impulses from three areas in your life. As I drew you a, a simple diagram with three circles in there, you have a physical brain, that's that thing inside of your head. You have an emotional mind, that's the thing that makes decisions and reacts to pain and, and, and heart, uh, heartache and hurt. Uh, and then you're supposed to have a spiritual mind. Now, all three of those three things, when they overlap, there is something in the middle called the heart. And the Bible talks about that, if thou shalt believe with all thy what? Heart. So, when I put all of the, the, the outside um, evidences put together with my realization in my, in my soul that I'm lost and I'm broken, and then I yearn for a feeling of something that's empty currently in my, my life called my spirit, my heart cries out and says, God, save me. That is a reaction of my mind. The center of my mind is my heart. <clears throat> now, your mind is probably not in good shape, if you be honest. There are plenty of people who, who will say, I can't stop my outbursts. I get really irritated at the way people treat me. <laughs> so every day I pray to God, and every day people still make me angry. <laughs> Someone else <clears throat> might say, I can still hear my father saying, you'll never amount to anything. You're good for nothing. All that damage hangs on even decades later. Another person says, I can't even shut down my brain at night. It wears me out all day long. I'm so tired of fighting in my head. Hey, 
If you don't like what goes on inside your head, this message is for you. Because there's an answer. So he begins there, back there in Romans chapter 12. He says there in verse 2, Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed. So he uses two words there. Conformed means shaped from the outside, like when you have modeling clay and you fashion something there, a cup or a vase or, or a, a, um, a car. I don't care what you care. But that's conformed. And God calls all Christians to constantly not be conformed to the world. Don't let the world tell you how to dress. Don't tell the world. Don't let the world tell you how to think. Don't let the world define for you what is right and what is wrong. But be constantly transformed. And that's a responding to a pressure that God puts in you. And by the way, you can't be transformed till you're born again. All right? It it is impossible. All the pressures on the inside of an unsaved person are demonic. They are self-willed. They are, as a matter of fact, you ever do have any uh, success at controlling your life, you will worship yourself. You know what happens when a Christian gets a victory? We worship God. So you can instantly know whether you're saved or not if you're so puffed up on how successful you are. So transformed is when there's a pressure like air inside of a balloon that presses it out against the pressure of the air on the outside. Now, renewing the mind is the key to being transformed. Now, transformed is that word metamorphosis. It's a scientific word. It can change in a, a, an ugly caterpillar to a process, they, they call it the chrysalis, into something, I mean, there is no wings on that baby, is there? I mean, how many legs does that thing have? It's just phenomenal. And yet, out comes a butterfly. Absent. With six legs, antenna, that looks nothing like that. Amen? So there's a process that can transform. Well, let me show you what you're like on Monday. Tuesday. Wednesday. Thursday. <laughs> and there's a nice little process where you can be transformed to that. Say hallelujah. <laughs> That's the transformation from stress to rest. And you need it. You need it. Transformation is not a once-off event like salvation is. Salvation is God forgiving you of uh, sin for once and for all in an instant. But transformation is God changing and ironing out all the wrinkles in you to be more like his son. Sometimes it takes a lifetime. So we come to renewing our mind. Example, you renew your car every time you fill it up at the petrol station. Can you imagine if you only drove your car until the petrol ran out and then you walked away? No. <laughs> that would be stupid, amen? So you go and you pull into Maxall or whatever and you renew it for another 600 kilometers, 500 kilometers. All right? So, Renewing your mind means repairing what is broken. Hallelujah. It means restoring your mind to how it was when you first got saved. I hope you remember that day. I hope it was a good day for you. It was the best day of my life. It means refilling what has been used up. And if there's anything this world does, it drains us dry. Absolutely dry. And then it restarts us. Sometimes you have to just start all over and become like a child again and just trust God and just take a step of faith and it's good. 
So that's what renewing the mind means. We looked last week at a man, uh, go to Mark chapter 15. I'm sorry, Mark chapter 5, sorry. Mark chapter 5, we looked at a man who got a new mind. He got a right mind. Mark chapter 15. I said 15 again, thank you, 5. I need a new mind, yeah. But it'll have to be another day. I just got to wing this thing. I just got. I got. I've got four messages. Last week I wrote. Um, I wrote all four main points of this thing, and then I decided I can't even get to point one. So last week I preached just the introduction. This week I'm getting to point one, and then next week I'll try and do point three, four, uh, two, three, four. I have no idea, but it's all going on inside of there, and I'm trying to make sense of it before <laughs> it comes out my mouth. So if I make a mistake, don't laugh, silly. Amen. All right. And just look down at verse 15, Mark chapter 5, verse 15. And they came to Jesus, and they see him that was possessed with the devil. And it had that legion of devils in him. And what was he doing? He was sitting. You ever notice how somebody just keeps... And they're just waiting to get paid out of the, out of the um, uh, grocery store, man. You know, they can't sit still. Well, this guy has gone from stress to rest. Verse 15 says he's sitting, he's clothed, whereas before he was naked, and in his what mind? And they were afraid. <laughs> if anything will freak your family out, it'll be when you have a right mind. Amen? So we saw a guy who was absolutely demon-possessed. He was cutting himself, trying to kill himself. He's crying day and night. He lived among the tombs, and then he's worshiping Jesus. He's at the feet of Jesus. He's in his right mind. I mean, unbelievable change. I bet he never forgot that day. So I want to talk to you about how to renew your mind this morning. I've got to give you some, a few more preliminaries. Because if you're going to renew your mind and be transformed from the inside out, you need three things. Number one, you need to make sure you have a new mind to work with. Bible says the renewing of your mind is not talking to an unsaved person, it's talking to a Christian. Your old you, your old mind, the one you had since birth, is incapable of being fixed. It's incapable of being renewed. You know why? Because it's vain. Your mind, as you are, is selfish, self-serving. You live the survival of the fittest. I'll watch you park. Yeah. Me against three other people trying to get that space. <laughs> it's a survival of the fittest. That's the old mind. Your old mind, according to Romans chapter 8, says it's at war with God. Listen to Romans 8, 7. The carnal mind is enmity at war with God. For it is not subject to the law of God. Neither indeed can be. He's talking about my carnal mind. My, the old mind is filled with satanic strongholds. Your old mind is filled with Satan. That's why the Bible says you have to cast them down. Uh, the, devil can't, the devil can't defeat the new mind. He defeats our old mind. Worst of all, your old mind is ignorant and blind to how it really is. That's why you need a preacher to tell you what you're like. That's why you need to get married. You understand what I just meant? <laughs> you need somebody else to say, you're out of line. Amen. Because we're ignorant of it. You never can fix your old mind. You never make it do 
You'll never make it so it doesn't lust, doesn't hate, doesn't fight, doesn't get depressed, doesn't quit, doesn't argue. (laughs) Truth is, you need a whole new mind put in you. In that empty part of the human being that Paul calls the spirit of your mind. Go to Ephesians now. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 22. Ephesians 4.22 Ephesians 4.22 and 23 That you put off, that means put distance between you, it means cut off concerning the former conversation, the way you lived, put off the former conversation of the old you, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust. And instead, what should you be according to verse 23? Renewed in the spirit of your mind. So, here, every person on this planet, born, has a physical brain and an emotional mind. I mean, that kid comes out of the womb screaming. And for the next 30 years of his life, going, Feed me! Buy me clothes! I'm not happy! But there's something empty. So in goes the drugs. In goes the drink. In goes Netflix. In goes YouTube. In goes everything you can find in order to fill that emptiness. And the only thing you can put in there is the Spirit of God. And in the Spirit of your mind is where the Holy Spirit can reign and rule and fix what's broken. So he says, renew the Spirit of your mind. Uh, It only happens when you are born of the Spirit of God. Romans 8 says to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded. So if I live by my emotions, I'll die. There are plenty of people who go so deep into their emotions, they commit suicide. There are people who live by their physical mind, they live by by, uh, whatever just comes naturally, and they end up wrapped around a tree somewhere because they were racing, they were drinking, because they were playing the fool. You know, to be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace, Romans chapter 8 says. Now, if you don't get that new mind, if you don't get a right mind, you can get it today. Amen? That's what we're here for. This is a great hospital. You're going to learn the truth and you can act on it. I won't give it to you. I can't, I can't give it to you. But I'll show you in the gospel how you can believe it and it'll change your life. Second thing, second preliminary. You need to focus on the renewing of your mind not on changing your life. Now, you get very old. You get 20, 30, 40 years old. Somewhere around there, well, forget 20-year-olds. Their brain still hasn't fully developed. But you get around 30, you get around 35, you got a wife, you got a couple of kids. All of a sudden, stuff starts bearing down on you. You go, man, I can't live like I used to. I can't just do like I... And I man, I got some bad habits. And boy, I got, I got a, a, a bad temper. And Wow, something's wrong with me. And you start to become aware of all that. And so... You say, well, I'm just going to come home at night early after work. And you sit there and you're bored stiff and you get still get, you blow up at your wife or you blow up at your kids. You say, well, I'm just going to put duct tape on my mouth and I won't talk anymore at home. You know, that doesn't fix the mouth, does it? No. All the money in the world doesn't fix depression. Amen. You see, when you try to fix what's wrong with you on the outside, you, you start on the wrong side. Jesus said, you can make yourself clean on the outside and still be full of dead men's bones on the end. So, God says, start on the mind. Renew the mind, not on changing your life. Uh, Problems with your eyes can't be fixed with a blindfold. 
Problems with worry can't be fixed with loads of money. You see, change comes when we change the way we think. No wonder the Apostle Paul tells us to renew our minds. Third, put most of your efforts into working on the spirit of your mind. Again, that's where you focus. You say, but I'm depressed. Don't worry about being depressed. Get your, get that part of your thinking right with, with how God thinks. I think of a train, and you've got these, this track, and it's laid out there. It goes a thousand miles. And the train is off the track. And that, that, that train is it's not going anywhere. Why? Because it's not on the track. You put that train back on that rail, and then it can go. And when you get, your, get the spirit of your mind back lined up with God's thinking, I'm getting ahead of my message, with the Word of God, you can go. And that's what we're going to try to do this morning, try to get going. So, four steps to renewing, regenerating, restoring, recovering your mind. Number one, reading. That's all we're going to study this morning. But there are four things we're going to talk about over the, this week and next week. One, reading, releasing. Three, replacing. And number four, taking responsibility. Those four things will allow you to live a transformed life. You say, it's big. Yeah, the biggest thing in your life is what goes on right there. And it'll be the hardest thing you ever, ever, ever Allow to be controlled by the Holy Spirit. So let's talk about reading your Bible. Go to Joshua chapter 1. Joshua chapter 1, verse 8. <clears throat> Rome, uh, Joshua chapter 1 and verse 8. I want you to note the first two words. Joshua chapter 1, verse 8. Say the first two words with me. This book. Are you holding a book in your hand? <laughs> Look at that book. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth. You know, if it's going to be my mouth, it has to start somewhere first. It's going to have to be put in my head. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate thereon. Day and night. That thou mayest observe, that thou mayest uh, obey is what we understand, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have what? Good success. So, read the Bible. Read the Bible. Can you imagine if you had the mind of Christ? I mean, think about it. Now, I'm not talking about the knowledge of Christ. That was infinite but to have the mind of Christ, the way he thought, the way he saw things. Well, you're not born with the mind of Christ. From the, from the new birth, from your, but from your new birth, you have access to it. You know where the mind of Christ is? This book. We have the mind of Christ right there. It's not in me yet, but I'm trying to get it in there. Amen? Now, that book will work like dynamite if you'll let it. It'll give you all the faith you need to believe God. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. It'll break down the walls of confusion and pride. It's like dynamite. It'll become a defense in you from sin and temptation. It will energize your joy. That's what this book does. Music doesn't do it for very long. You can get happy by music and then you're back at zero again. Family and friendships can't match the effect of believing this book because they'll let you down. 
religions can never accomplish what this book can. That's because it is the mind of God. That is not just words on a page. It is the mind of God. We, we, I, I want the heart of God. I want the heart of Jesus. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. But you better get how he thinks before you worry about how he feels. Because we're too feely, ooey-gooey today. And so nobody thinks. There's stuff on that internet you need to be able to pull back and go, eh. Oh, but it seems so right. It feels so right. Oh, it just is, it's wrong. If you can't, in your head, make it line up with Scripture. Amen. Amen. What if you could get the mind of Christ? Guess what? It's right in your hand. <clears throat> Evidently, go to, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. You can leave Joshua. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 16. 1 Corinthians 2, 16. First Corinthians 2, 16 says, For who hath known the mind of the Lord? <laughs> Nobody just figured him out that he may instruct him. But we have the mind of Christ. We have the mind of Christ. Go to Philippians chapter 2. Well, where do I find it? If I have it, where is it? Go to Philippians chapter 2. <clears throat> Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. Philippians 2, 5 says, Let this mind be in you, which was where? Also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not by robbery to be equal with God, never stole anything from God by being God, but made himself of no reputation. Didn't care about what anybody else thought about, and himself didn't care about how he was viewed. And he took upon him the form of a servant. That's how he saw himself. He didn't see himself as God in the flesh. He saw himself as a servant and was made in the likeness of men. He saw us as somebody worth being like. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself even further and became obedient, as an act of the will, became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God has also highly exalted him, honored him, and given him a name which is above every name, that is the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess, should agree with God that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. How am I going to get the mind of Christ? I read it. I learn it. I have the mind of Christ. I just don't live it yet. What if you could get it? You've got it. To get it into your mind starts with reading that book you hold in your hand. It couldn't be simpler. So what do you do? You saturate your thinking, your understanding. You saturate your conclusions with the Word of God. That's how great leaders are made. All right. Now... Tell me what's wrong. What, what's, what's wrong with that, that sponge? She's dry. Like a lot of us. Is that dry? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, let's see how good it feels. Rub it up against with other people. I mean, man, they're dry as toast. Why are they dry? Because they haven't saturated. Shall I do it now? What do you think? <laughs> they haven't saturated their mind with anything other than Dry, stupid TVs and YouTubes and videos. The Word of God does a lot better. Amen. You know, 
to saturate yourself. I, I, I don't want you to think that all you have to do is just read your Bible. Well, I just read my Bible. Did you, did you pay attention? Did you get anything out of it? Um, a Christian's got to saturate their minds with the Bible. That means read vast amounts of Scripture. See if I've got this. Saturate. That means... Um, yes. I've got to make sure I got this because I worked on several of them today. Read vast amounts of Scripture. Page after page, chapter after chapter, start to finish. Don't let me be constantly echoing an empty call for you to read your Bible. You're coming up to, you're coming up to January 2018. Have you read your Bible through yet, ever in your Christian life? Shame on you if you haven't. Shame on you. See, I'm a Bible-even Christian. <laughs> that means nothing if you're not reading it. And I mean, you've got to read two, three, four chapters a day. Not just, well, I read a verse. Oh, I have one of those calendars that has a scripture on it. I'm not reading your Bible. You've got to read every day. I don't care if you're busy with 13 kids all under the age of nine. I don't care if you run a big bank or a software company and have to be at the office from 7 a.m. until 7 p.m. I don't care if you're as dumb as a tree stump. There's nothing more important. That's pretty dumb. There's nothing more important than what you hold in your hand getting into your head. Amen, amen, amen. Read everything you get your hands on. And I'm not telling you only read your Bible. Read everything you get your hands on. I have read all the way through hundreds of science books in my grown-up years, both evolutionary and creationary. I've read and studied hundreds and hundreds of books on astronomy. I've read dozens, complete volumes of world history books, biographies, and even a few dozen comic books. I read whatever I can get my hands on. Well, most everything. Well, not everything. All right. <laughs> there are limits, but I'm talking about I read. Uh, I, now, I may be slowing down in my old age, too. My wife said, <laughs> I slow down a lot of things, but... Uh, that book right there gets the most of my attention. I'm 37 years saved, and I'm still reading this more than I read anything else. You say, well, that's your job. No, it's your job, too. Read your Bible. Read it. Read all the way through your book, because it is the Word of God. Go to 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians, you're in Philippians. Go keep going to the right. 1 Thessalonians, chapter 2. First Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13. Paul is commending the Thessalonian Christians saying, when we came to you and we preached the word of God unto you, watch how they responded. Verse 13, For this cause also thank we God without ceasing. We still rejoice because when ye received the word of God, which you heard of us, you received it not as the word of men. You didn't think it was the word of Moses or the word of Elijah or the word of Isaiah. But as it is in truth, you received it as the word of who? These are the words of God which effectually worketh also in you that believe. So read. What does that mean? How do you do that, Pastor? You quiet yourself down and you just read. Get in a corner of your house. Get out in the car if you have to. Find a place where you just read. And I guarantee you, listen, you may have to read on your phone sometimes, but don't do it electronically. Do it physically, literally with a real book in your hand. Amen, amen. Read your Bible. 
You know what will happen if you do? Your mind will start to be renewed. It just happens, folks. You know what Abraham, sitting there back in Romans chapter 4, it describes how Abraham was first told to go to a, a land he'd never seen, never been to, and go and God was going to give him children who going to number as the stars of the sky and as the sand of the sea. You know what Abraham said? I think I'll believe you. And the Lord said, I can work with you. <laughs> and off they went. But you know what? Abraham wasn't sure of that thing. He just believed. That's a good way to start, amen? How many of you started off like that? We didn't know where this thing was going to go, how far and how tough it was going to get. But Abraham, it says, as he went along, as he went along and he interacted with God, and God tested and pushed and, and, and forged and transformed his faith, it says Abraham became fully persuaded that what God had said he would do. That's where you want to get, amen? You want to read to where it fully convinces you He's right. I'll do it his way. We're talking about saturating. Can you imagine preparing for a... I'll, I'll give you an example, all right? Some of the kids, teenagers know about this. Some of you adults do. Can you imagine preparing for a final soccer match? And you discover the private personal journal of Lionel Messi, Barcelona. He's the number one player in the world. Can you imagine if he wrote a private journal of all of his thinking when he's out there playing a the game? Can you imagine if you're about to play and about to play for big stakes in court versus so-and-so and you're about to play and you found this private journal of the way that Lionel Messi, is that how you pronounce his name, Messi? Messi of uh, Barcelona, how he thinks and how he plays. You know what you'd do? You'd devour it, wouldn't you? You've got the mind of God. You've got the most successful being ever writing out how to get through life, how to get through your trial, how to get through your dark valley. Only that book is going to fill the spirit of your mind with right thoughts, good thoughts, healthy thoughts, and strong thoughts. Secondly, not only saturate, pay attention. How many wives, look at their husband, say, are you listening? <laughs> oh, I've been listening the whole time. Yeah, right. <laughs> we'll read the Bible and guess what? We don't pay attention. Now, this is important. You ever noticed? Let, let the Bible fashion you, okay? I got some pictures here. And, 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 and don't freak out. That's fashion? Okay. <laughs> I have no idea what that is. Okay. Have you noticed the fashions of the world? And I'm only doing things that are safe. Let the Bible fashion your mind. Go to 1 Peter. You're in Thessalonians. Go to the right after Hebrews. Find James and then 1 Peter chapter 1. Let the Bible fashion your mind. Oop, come back here. You want to let that Bible fashion the way you think like a blacksmith fashions metal. Watch your Bible. First Peter chapter 1. I said chapter 1. Chapter 1, verse 13. First Peter chapter 1, verse 13. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind. We can talk about that all day long. Forget that for a second. I want you to understand a little bit here. Gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, paying attention 
as their parents teach them and instruct them, like obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lusts in your ignorance. But as He which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversations. Because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. Watch this. Verse 12, 14 says, Don't let yourself be conformed to the fashions of the world. Don't let your mind be conformed to it. Let it be transformed by the fashioning of the Word of God. You see, an anvil is the strongest metal force there is. When, when they designed anvils long ago to shape horseshoes and to allow a surface that was never going to yield to heavy banging and to incredible force as, as metal was heated up and then put on that thing and bent into a new shape. And you hold the anvil and the hammer right in your hand. You say, I want to change my life. You can't. I want to fix my life. I want to fix my habits. You can't. I want to fix the way I think. I want to be able to sleep at night. I want to be able to talk right. I want to be able to be a good Christian. You can't do it without that book. And it'll hurt. It will hammer you. It will bend you. It will shape you. That's what God's Word is. It is the shape upon which you are bent and fashioned. I don't change the Bible. By the way, we're never changing the Bible. See, I don't like the King James Bible. It is the anvil. We bend around it. We say, well, I would use this word, or I like that word in the Bible. I wish I had a new Bible. I wish we had new hymns. Let me tell you this. All that is the wrong way. You're changing. You're trying to make the anvil softer. You're trying to make the anvil shape and conform to you. Don't do it. You need something so solid that when you come to it, it changes us. That's the Bible. And believe me, when it strikes, you know when it strikes, you know it. <laughs> I mean, <clears throat> that's the book. Not a church, not me. You know, that Bible, you're reading that Bible in the quiet of your home, it ought to just hammer you sometimes. Yeah, it'll bless you. Yeah, it'll encourage you. But sometimes it'll cut you. Amen? Sometimes it'll humble you and knock the, knock the feet right out under you. Amen? Because it's solid. It is it is the force upon which I am thrust and I am shaped. Let it fashion you. Let God's wisdom become your wisdom. Let God's ways of doing things become your ways of doing things. Let His thoughts become your thoughts. Third. So the first thing we do is saturate. Second thing is pay attention. And let it fashion. If I pay attention. You know, listen. If, if your kids didn't watch all the other friends, if they didn't hang around with all the other friends, if they weren't watching MTV and all this stuff, they wouldn't dress like them, would they? But they get all of their influence from the friends. And by the way, it takes just 15 minutes with a friend to ruin 15 years of training. It just blows my mind. So all that influence, all that influence, if, 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 if that world is fashioning you, you need to repent of it and say, Lord, I need you to fashion me now. I need to pay attention to you. I've been paying attention to my friends. I've been paying attention to what everybody else is wearing, what everybody else is talking, how they're working. You know, there was a couple of years back, all the texting was all in those letters. Now they just use LOL. <laughs> Everything sort of calmed down. You remember texting had like 15 letters and each letter meant something? Remember that? 
us parents are trying to decipher what are my kids texting in code, you know. <laughs> they, were, they were all picking that stuff up. That's wrong. We, we need to let the fashion of that book change us. And the third thing, arm yourself. Now go to 1 Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter chapter 4 in verse 1. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 1 and 2. For as much then as Christ has suffered for us in the flesh. You could ponder that for a while. That'll help you. He suffered for you in the flesh. He felt everything. Arm yourselves likewise with that same what? For he that has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh to the lusts of men but to the will of God. Arm yourselves with a different mind, with the mind of Christ. Now, arm is a, is a military term, like armistice, when they put down their arms, or like take up arms. It means to get yourself armed with whatever you need to defeat whatever's going on in your life. And the weapon, not, the weapon that, is, that we use is not the weapon like we use our tongue for. It's not like what we use our fists for. The weapon that we use are the words or the thoughts in the ways of thinking that Jesus used. Pick up the words of Christ. Use them as a weapon. For example, when you're under temptation, remember how he responded with the word of God. And not just any words. He had precise responses to each temptation. Use Christ's words as, uh, as weapons against spiritual attacks. By the way, Ephesians chapter 6 says, Take up the sword of the Spirit. That's a good sword, amen? That's a good weapon against spiritual attack. Having a, having a, a, a choice word. You ever, hey, you got an argument, and then you said that choice word that it made them gobsmacked, they couldn't smack, they couldn't respond. You had, yes. Wouldn't you like to do that to the devil sometime? That's what God gave you, was a book so that you can tell him off, and he has to run. Amen. Arm yourselves with the very same mind that Christ had. Times of weakness, get your scripture. Especially when the devil wins a battle, knocks you flat, you're defeated, you need to have a scripture that says, I am not defeated. I am more than a conqueror. I may have lost this battle, but dude, you've lost the war. Amen. When you take the very words of scripture and start believing them instead of your emotional mind, or instead of trusting the weaknesses of your physical mind. That's when you have the mind of Christ. Did you know, his was a mind of peace. He says, my peace I give unto you. His was a mind of peace. He was submitted to the will of God over his own will, over his own plans, plans and over all his own wants. He was willing to suffer to do that will. The mind of Christ tells us that he rejected lusts, temptations, and all the cultural pressures that we give into. He stood out from among the crowd and was distinctly different and it didn't bother him. I remember, I remember getting a haircut one time. My mom was in a hurry. She put a bowl over my head. She sent me on my way. I looked like the Beatles. And I was so embarrassed. <laughs> you know what my dad did? He says, come here. He just cut off all the hair. <laughs> I was more embarrassed. Anyway. You don't have the mind of Christ, you'll get to where you don't mind what anybody sees. 
all your flaws, spots, wrinkles, mess-ups. You're just living for Him. You know what Christ had? He had a mind that extended limitless kindness and charity to everyone. That's the mind of Christ. He personally covered the sins of those against Him. Amen. Get the mind of Christ. Arm yourself with the ability to cover somebody else's sins against you. He was confident that God His Father was in control at every step. He didn't say, Lord, what are you doing? Did you, did you go to sleep? No, he knew exactly who to trust. You know, the Bible says, put on the helmet of salvation. That's your helmet. Use a sword. That's your sword. Arm yourself with that book. So, what's the first thing we do? Saturate. What's the second thing we do? Get the right fashion. What's the third thing? Arm ourselves with that book. Number four, do what you read. James chapter 1. Go back to the left few pages. James chapter 1. Say, Pastor, you're not telling me anything new. I'm not here to tell you anything new. I'm here to tell you the book. James chapter 1, verse 22. But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he's likened to a man beholding his natural face at a glass. He's looking in a mirror. For he beholdeth himself, and yet he goes on his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. Doesn't even know what he is like. But whoso looketh into what? That book you hold in your hands called the perfect law of? Hallelujah. Life-changing liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. You know what? When, when, I say, how, how do, how do you, what do I do, Pastor? I'm reading the Bible. You need to start making a list of things you need to do and then do it. Every time you come to church, you ought to have one goal, and that is, I'm going to walk away with one thing that that book tells me to do, and I'm going to do it. I'm going to do things differently. If pastor preaches on the home and tells me I have to do such and such, pastor preaches on teenage and I have to honor my parents, uh, pastor opens up the Bible and says I need to tithe, then I go out to my car and I figure out what my uh, thing that I owe, I go down to the bank and I put it out, I put it in, the pastor preaches on I need to give to, to faith promise, then I go and I, uh, everything that comes out of that book, you ought to look and go, well, that's what i got to do this week. Amen. Do what you read that you're supposed to do. What we've got is a bunch of fat, lazy, do-nothing Christians. Did I say that? I'm not talking about you. Yes, I am. All right. No, we just get fed and 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 get fed. And, and we never do. Don't be so Bible full and life empty. Do what you read. It'll revolutionize our homes and our church where I'm not, God didn't tell you to do the whole book stem to stern. He says, do what you read today. Amen. Amen. Let's do it again. What's the first time? First thing, what, how do I, what do I do with this book? I saturate my mind with that book. I read two, three, four chapters a day. Maybe ten chapters. Saturate your mind with that book. That doesn't mean you can't, that, that, well, I don't have time to start the dinner. Yes, you do. Read, make time to read your Bible, and make time to do dinner. Amen. Saturate your mind. Secondly, fashion your life under that book. What's the third thing? Arm yourself with the words of that book. Come here. 
Arm yourselves with the words of that book. Don't just read it for the fluffy stuff. Get some good stuff out of that book. What's the fourth thing we just said? Do what you read. Amen. Fifthly, memorize and meditate on what you read. Memorize and meditate on what you read. Memorizing is storing the words of Scripture away on purpose. It's kind of like stockpiling fresh batteries for times when you're without electricity. Amen. It's like when you have a chainsaw all ready for that day when things are blocking your road so you can get out. It's like having a stick of dynamite from the world is caved around you and you want to get out. Psalm 119.11 says, Thy word have I hid in my heart. I've hid it away. I've put it away in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Psalm 119.16 says, I will delight myself in thy statutes. That's his word. I will not forget thy word. I put it in there so I don't forget it. Hebrews 8.10 says, For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord. I'll put my laws into their mind and I'll write them in their hearts. And I will be to them a God and they shall be to me a people. God wants to put that in our mind and in our hearts. Will you let him? It takes when you memorize. Listen to King David talk about meditating on what God wrote. Psalm 1-2 says, But his delight... The blessed man's delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he what? Meditate day and night. Psalm 119.23 says, Princes also did speak against me, but thy servant did meditate in thy statutes. Verse 97, he says, Oh, how love I thy law, it is my meditation all the day. Psalm 119.99 says, I have more understanding than all my teachers, because I keep thy precepts. For thy testimonies are my meditation. Sorry, that was the next verse. To meditate means to ponder, to think a lot about something, to wonder about, to probe and explore what God said. So you need to memorize. There's, there's, there's a hundred different ways to memorize. The purpose is so that you meditate, so that you've got something to think about when you're there at night and your brain's worrying about everything else and you start bringing up a truth and you just start saying, looking for that blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. You just want to change the channel. Amen? Amen? Memorize and meditate on what you've read. All right, let's do the list. What's the first thing you need to do? When you come to that book, decide I'm going to saturate my mind with it. Secondly... I'm going to let it fashion the way I think. I'm going to let it forge and change the way I think. The way you change... It, ought, it is not the source of racism. That Bible changes and makes every one of us equal. We're nothing. We're dust. Well, I'm white. Well, I'm this. I'm a Jew. I'm this or that. You know what the Bible says? You're a sinner. And you're lost without hope, without God. doesn't matter what skin color. doesn't matter what education. That Bible ought to fashion the way you think about each other. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. You say, you're just a woman. You didn't get that from the Bible. Amen. Fashion. Let that book fashion the way you think and the way you, you uh, look at stuff. Uh, arm yourselves with that book. Who's your enemy? The devil. The only thing that cuts him is that book. It's the only thing that will stop him. You say, well, I, I won't give in to the devil. You're duped. Arm yourselves, what's the fourth thing? Do what you read. Fifth, memorize and meditate. You ought to mark verses in your Bible, put it on a little 
four by six card, carry it with you in your pocket or your purse, go over it, over it, over it, so that you've got something to chew on in the middle of the night or in the middle of a storm or in the middle of a disaster and you say, the Lord is good. Truly, God is good. Lastly, trust that God is right. Proverbs 3. Proverbs chapter 3. What am I trying to do? I'm trying to get you to look at your Bible differently from now on and to see just how important it is and how much work you need to put into putting it into your life. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. And lean not on thine own understanding. In all thy ways, acknowledge Him. It means just obey Him. And He shall direct thy path. Alright. After all of these things, have you done all those things? You know what? The devil still pull the rug out from under you. Times, troubles, disasters will still come thrown at your face. Things won't work out like you planned. You'll still be a, 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 a little stinker. You go, what's wrong? God's working. And you have to just trust Him. You have to trust that as you keep in this book, it will slowly and methodically and masterfully renew your mind and change your life. You just trust God. Go to Isaiah 26. This is John's life verse. Isaiah 26 and verse 3. Isaiah 26 and verse 3. Thou will keep him. God will keep us in perfect peace. I'll, have a, I'll go from stress to rest. Thou will keep him in perfect peace when my mind is stayed, anchored, stuck on thee because I just trust in thee. You see how that's worded? If I want, if I want to have peace, if I want my mind to be at rest, if I want my mind to be stable, sound, right, renewed, I stick it on Him and I think on Him and I love Him and I trust Him even though I don't understand Him. Amen? Amen. Trust that God is right. Now next week, three more thoughts. Releasing, which is probably... And folks, I couldn't get to releasing until I get to the Bible because you're not going to believe what I'm going to have to talk to you about what you're going to have to let go next week and what you're going to have to replace it with so that you can finally start taking responsibility for what goes on inside of this. There's a lot to work on. You say, I thought I just had to read the Bible. Yeah, it's not working, is it? You know why? Because you're just doing the motions. Just like that. I see somebody flinch. Just like that. Oh, you want that, right? My wife. Right? There's a lot to work on, folks. There's a lot. The reason for a lot of people, there's a lot to work on because they're starting from zero. They never read their Bible even. They never even thought about making a commitment to say, I'm going to read my Bible. It's the one thing I can do. I can't change my mouth, I can't change my, my thoughts, I can't change my life, but I can read my Bible. Amen. Even if you only begin to just work on saturating, fashioning, arming, doing, if 
just start at it. You'll see a change, and we will too, by the way. Amen. I'd love to see some of you change. <laughs> How's it going to happen? By the renewing of your mind. An ongoing effort on your part so that God can complete the work that's his part if he makes you more like Jesus. A renewed mind is a key to a transformed life. It starts when you just read the book in your hand. This book of the law shall not depart. If it's going to come out of my mouth, it's got to first be right there. Father, would you help us this morning to hold on tight to this book of books that we would not just throw it on the back seat of the car when we leave church this morning and not pick it up until next Sunday. That we wouldn't just flip through it and find us a page to read for the moment and never read it start to finish. Father, we may not read it just so we can find something to study or something to to think we know more than others. May we just read it and let it wash over us and saturate us and change us by the washing of the water of the Word. Help us to get some choice scriptures. They're like weapons against temptation, against high things in our thought life and powerful forces in our head, strongholds that need to be pulled down. Help us to have some choice scriptures that finally put the devil on the run. Help us to renew our mind as we soak up this book. Lord, anybody in this room who has struggled with their mind, that would be all of us, are grateful that you gave us a new mind the day we got saved. You put us in our right mind. We want to have that again. We want to keep it. Maybe there's someone in this room, there probably is, who's never had that event in their life where they were born again. They come to church, and I'm so glad they come. But church is just church. The Bible's just a book. Jesus was just a man. They have no idea that death is more than just the grave. They have a never-ending, never-dying soul that will spend eternity somewhere. And the way they think now is wrong. There is a God in heaven. He became a man, and we killed him. He got up three days later for the likes of every man, woman, and child on this planet, no matter how lost, no matter how confused. And he liked to save everyone who just come to him and trust him. Believe the gospel that Jesus died for you. If you're not born again, he'd like to save you. All you got to do is ask. All you got to do is ask. Believe with all your heart. And Christian, never get over that, that new mind you got. Always want to get it back. In Jesus' name, amen.